I couldn't be more excited, not about just next week and what's ahead, but what's today. I have one of my dearest friends, Pastor Jonathan Palmer from Summit Creek Church in Iowa. Shout out, Iowa. He told me he got on the plane, it was 28, but when he landed, it was 75, baby. <laughs> Praise God. He said, don't ever complain to me about the weather. I said, yes, sir, I won't. But he's a dear friend. Him and his wife, Heather, lead a great church there, planted like us seven years ago. And God has just done miracle after miracle. And so I'm excited for us to hear from him. I'm going to be on the front row taking notes. He's a man of God. He loves you. He prays with me every month for you. And so I could not be more privileged and honored. And by a show of honor, I want us to stand on our feet and welcome my friend, Pastor Jonathan Palmer. Come on, show him some love. All right, stay standing for just a moment and continue to give Jesus all the praise, everybody. Oh, he's worthy of it. All right, just for a moment longer, stay standing because I want to give honor where honor is due. And uh, I, love coming, I love coming into churches. Uh, this is my first time. In fact, I tricked a bunch of you because I didn't have my microphone on in the lobby earlier. And a bunch of you welcomed me. I said, this is my first time, never been here. They said, where are you from? I said, just visiting to, in the area. And I think you all thought you got a new person joining the church. But fortunately, I, I can't, but I wish I could. But I just want you to know I've been to a lot of churches. I'm a third-generation pastor on both sides. Both my grandfathers were church planters and pastors. And I've uh, been to a lot of churches. And I just want you to know what's happening here is not normal. I wish it could say it was normal, but God is on the move right here. And uh, of course, it's all because of him, but you do have amazing pastors and leaders. So could you give Pastor Brian and Kristen a great hand? All right, you can be seated. Do you mind if I hand back the acts of kindness? I appreciate you giving it to me. Uh, by the way, if you are new, um, I believe the ones you're going to take are smaller than that, uh, just in case you're wondering about about that. So uh, it is great to be at Palm City Church, uh, a local expression, but already making really a global impact, uh, just reaching people through your missions giving and your church planting efforts. I don't know if you know this or not, but every time you give, you're giving to help launch other local churches. You're helping do great work all around the world uh, in areas of unreached people groups. And of course, you're making a difference right here. And uh, I couldn't be more excited to be with all of you. Of course, as Brian said, we left uh, what winter is coming to Des Moines, Iowa. We are up. So one of the young people in the church asked me before service, they weren't exactly sure where Iowa was. I said, we're two states below Canada. And so we do get those harsh winters. And so uh, excited to be in Florida with my family, my wife, Heather, and our three children, Oliver, Myla, and Henry. I do have a photo uh, of them, I think, if you're able to show that. And I uh, just want to let you see, uh, see our kids. There they are. And so eight, six, and four are ages six next month. And so two, two, and two. We've, we started a church seven years ago. So in, seven, in eight years, we've had three kids and a church. Come on. So we had four, really like four kids. And so uh, God is good. He's faithful. And uh, really feel like I'm part of the Palm City family already. And just... Uh, some crazy connections that God's uh, moving. There's a family in your church that was part of our church, and that's actually how I met your pastor. And just it's amazing uh, what God is doing, and I'm just so excited 
to be here. Our, the reason I'm able to be here, by the way, is because our church is starting at the movies this week. And, uh, and so I'm back home in our services. I'm on the big screen, pre-recorded video message with using the movie uh, aspect. And so uh, I get to travel a little bit and minister during at the movies. And this is my first stop on uh, November 6th. Great, great to have all of you here. And when I come to Florida... Uh, it makes me think of taking cruises. In fact, I'll probably need to book a cruise when it, about February. I'll be ready to come back down, and uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll preach again ne- next year. Right? I'll, I want my invite next time to be right in the middle of the winter, like in February, uh, when, when, we're, when we're needing some sunshine. But I think of cruise ships, and I've been on a couple of cruises. How many of you have been on a cruise? Raise your hand, been on a cruise? I know Florida, a lot of people, it's easy to get on, on cruises, and cruises are awesome. I'm, I love them. Uh, and when you go, you, you go to different islands and you're visiting different places and uh, you eat a lot of food. Come on, somebody, right? You, you always, you always got to bring a couple extra pairs of pants that are a little bit bigger than you needed before you got on the cruise for when you get done with the cruise. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, love, love cruises. But when you think about a cruise ship, you think, what do you what do? You, do? you kind of you go from island to island. And by the time you come back, what did you really accomplish? I mean, you had a good time and it was a great vacation, I'm sure, but you really didn't accomplish anything of significance. You didn't really move the ball forward. In fact, that's kind of what makes a cruise so enjoyable is it's, it's just a break from moving the ball forward. But it was in 2005, right after I graduated from high school, my parents took our family to uh, Hawaii for 10 days to celebrate my high school graduation. Would you think, man, that's an awesome graduation gift. It wasn't really a gift. It was a celebration that I actually graduated from high school. That's, a, that's the miracle it was. So like, what, what are we going to do? We're going to celebrate by going all the way to Hawaii. And we got to tour uh, while we were over there, the USS Missouri. And not sure if you're familiar with that. One of the most legendary uh, aircraft carriers and battleships that we have uh, really in our, in our fleet in the, in the United States history. And what's interesting is I left that battleship and touring that I started thinking about the difference between a cruise ship and a battleship. Because although a cruise ship is enjoyable and it's big as well, the battleship really has a purpose and it has a mission. And everybody that's on the battleship knows their role and their purpose and their, and their mission. And it's not about the people on the battleship. It's about the people whom the battleship is serving. Can I hear a good amen, right? And I'm thankful for the men and women who sacrifice their lives literally in our nation. Can we just stop and thank every person who's giving their lives in our military and fighting on our behalf? And that's what, that's what a battleship does. A battleship just... It's all about sacrifice and, 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 we're, and we're, we're in a war, we're in a battle. We, kinda, we got our spiritual dukes up and we're fighting. And really, I believe if we're going to pick a ship as a church to model after, I believe that the church ought to be a battleship, not a cruise ship. Can I hear a good amen, right? I, I feel like Palm City, in fact, you might as well just change the name, the USS Palm City. You know what I'm saying? Just a battleship, hashtag that right there. You know, the Paul, it's a battleship. Not a cruise ship. And Jesus modeled what it means to be a battleship really well. In fact, one of, I know a verse that's near and dear to this house, I'm sure, is Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Like he came, he was on mission. He had, a, he had an assignment. In fact, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but Jesus could have just come, been born, lived like a day, and then died for our sins, but he wanted to live this life because he wanted to model for us what it looked like to be on mission and to be a, to be a battleship. In fact, in 1 John 
2.6, it says anyone who says he is a Christian should live as Christ did. And so right there, if, if Jesus had a battleship mentality on mission, seeking and saving those who are far from God and not in a relationship with him, if that was his purpose and his mission right here, according to 1 John 2, then that's got to be our mission as well. So we can go on cruise ships and we can enjoy that once in a while, but on a day-to-day -day basis, a week-to-week -week basis, I'm calling this church and every person who calls Palm City home and those that maybe are just kicking the tires and trying to figure it out, I want to encourage you, make Palm City your home home church because it's a great place to be. And if you land here, you just got to know we are a what? We are a battleship, not a cruise ship. Jesus was on mission. We see it all through, all through scripture. I want to take us to a place in John chapter 11. If you have your copy of God's word, I want to you know, open that up. Otherwise you can follow along on the screen. In John chapter 11, we get the story of Lazarus, and it's just a great picture of Jesus being on mission. I'm going to teach you for a little bit, just kind of verse by verse, unpack uh, this story, and then kind of end with a couple practical, a practical things. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, John chapter 11, verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha, and this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, and so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, and I love, just, note, just note that phrase, as the, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment because there are times in life when, as followers of Christ, we, we, we know that, that God knows what we're going through, but yet he doesn't always seem to answer our prayers right when we want him to answer our prayers, right? You ever been there? I just want to remind us, this isn't, even in, this isn't even one of my points. I just want to remind us that if we ever feel that way, notice what it said. Jesus loved them, but he did stay there for a couple of days. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It just means he's got a greater, a greater plan. And what's interesting, and it's going to be really hard to get our, wrap our minds around this until we finish the text, but in those two days that Jesus delayed intentionally, Lazarus died. And to some of us, we think, well, man, that just feels harsh. Like why, why, would, why would Jesus do that? In fact, in, in verse 32, skipping a little bit ahead, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I want you just to take yourself into the text for a moment. Think about Mary, her brother's sick. She sent word. He received the message Jesus did, but waited two days. And she's thinking, if you would have just hustled. <laughs> you, ever, you ever just wondered, Jesus, you got a little pep in your step up there? Can you, can you hustle? And it, it's kind of funny when we tell God the pace that he should go. You know, hey, God, you know, hey, I'm a little, little, little hustle up there. You know what I'm saying? I could use you down here. And God's, I see you. I see you. But in the natural, we go, God, sometimes, like, just where were you? He wouldn't have died and the thought that I want to bring to us today out of this text and then just we're going to continue to study it together is that God wants to do more than just spare us from death. He wants to make us fully alive. Because see, think about it. If Jesus would have showed up on the scene when Lazarus was sick, he would have, 
healed him from his sickness, and people would have been like, golf tournament clap. We've seen Jesus do that, right? But Jesus says, no, 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 what it said in the text, for my, for my glory, for my glory. I love how you talked about that. For, for the fullness of who I am, for you to see everything that I can do, I'm going to let him die because it's more than just me coming in and, and just and fixing a problem. No, I want him to become fully alive. In fact, I want to say that to all of us spiritually, that, that Jesus, Jesus doesn't just want us to be improved. He doesn't just want us to kind of fix the small problems of our life. No, he wants us to become fully alive in him. In fact, one chapter earlier in John 10, 10, he says, I have come that they may have life and life to the fullest, life more abundantly. And that word life is, means, it means zoe. It's full of vitality. It's just as, it's like you can be living your life and not actually have the life that Jesus is talking about. And he goes, no, I don't, I don't want to just, just kind of fix you a little bit. I want, I want you to become almost spiritually dead so that I can raise you all the way back to life so that you're overflowing with joy and you're living this life to the fullest. You see, Mary wanted something good. She wanted her brother to be healed of whatever sickness he had. But God had something better planned. Wow. You ever wonder if you're praying a good, something good for your life and it's not coming to fruition and you think, God, it would just be so good if it happened, but yet he's going, I've got something even better planned. In fact, God doesn't just want us better. He wants us brand new, right? He, he wants a brand new version of ourselves. They wanted healing. Jesus wanted to bring them all the way back to life. God wants to do something in your life bigger and better than you could have ever dreamed of or imagined. That you might be praying for one thing and if it's not happening, hey, take heart because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts and we're hoping he gets us here, but he may have planned for something over there and we've got to hold firm and be certain that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And what Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. And so over here, my might actually be better than over here, even though we think here is better. Wow. See, God, 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 God knew he could do so much better than just heal Lazarus' sickness. He knew he could make him fully alive, bring him all the way back from dead and make him brand new. Ephesians 3.20, now all glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far what? To do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. I wonder if Mary would have, if, if she would have had a copy of Ephesians 3.20, then she may have understood that, Lord, if you would have showed up, my brother would have been healed. And it's almost like Jesus knew what the rest of the Bible was going to say. Because if you could just know one day that Ephesians 3 says, no, you're asking for one thing, but I've got something even greater for you. And I'm believing even Palm City Church today, what you're praying for and what you're believing for, for Wesley Chapel and for this city and for this house right here in this part of the country, I'm believing it's great, but God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything he could ever hope for, dream of, or imagine. Come on, give God praise if you believe that today. I believe it. So John eleven thirty four. I love I love what I did here is I love I just took the the red words the words of Jesus kind of throughout this text and 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 we're just going to look at them because I, I actually I find them each of them interesting and 
And almost like there's a, a subtext, like if you can read it and kind of really get the context, it's like, oh, there's something maybe I've never seen. And in verse 34, so, so now Jesus is responding because Mary said if you would have showed up, he would have been healed. And he responds with, where have you put him? Which you ever think it's funny when Jesus asks the question that he knew the answer to. But Jesus just kind of had a way about him. And he said, well, where, where have you put him? You see, Jesus knew where he was. But he was asking to show us as the readers of the text and those who would have been in that moment there an important step in the process of being made fully alive. See, the first part of my message, I want to help you understand how you can be made fully alive today. You might even be a Christian, but there's another level of following Jesus and a level of life that you can experience. And there's a process to it. And the first step in the process is we've got to identify where are we at and what do we need? What area of your life has become less vibrant or maybe has even died? Another way we could put it is where do you need a miracle? Jesus knew where Lazarus was. He was making them say where he was, helping to them to identify, hey, there's a, there's a point to the process. And part of the process is just we got to write down, we got to understand in our hearts what, what, what's the miracle we need? Lazarus was the miracle then, so he's asking, where is Lazarus? But for you, he may be asking, hey, he knows what you need, but he wants you to say, hey, I need a miracle in. Here's an area that I need because it's hard, listen to this, it's hard to fight an invisible enemy. And we got to name the, the enemy, we got to name the miracle, we got to identify what it is so we can make our prayer specific. Jesus says, where have you put him? He knows your need. But do you, know, do you know the need and are you articulating, are you saying it to God? You don't, you don't ha he can do it without that, but he, he's inviting us into the process of the miracle. John eleven thirty nine. 39, we continue reading. A few verses later, he says, he gets, he, they show him where he's at and say, okay, roll the stone aside. Just more, more red letters in this text. And as I read that a little while ago, I thought to myself, the stone represents something. The stone represents the very thing that stands between us and the miracle. Us and God. Us and what God wants to do in our lives. So the next question is to ask yourself, not only what, what is it that you need, but what is it that's, that's keeping us from experiencing the miracle? What, what, what's standing in the way? Is there something in my life that needs to be removed that will allow for me to have greater access to God and, 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 and in his presence even more. What, what's keeping us from experiencing Jesus today? We've got to identify what it is and roll that out of our lives. As it says in the New Testament, we've got to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles us and, and especially the sin that trips us up, right? We've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to recognize what is it? What's keeping us from experiencing Jesus Continuing in that verse, he says, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. So she's not, she's not liking his approach, right? She said, Lord, he's been dead for four days, and the smell will be terrible. So he's trying to perform them. He said, hey, get, roll, roll the stone away. Let, let me see him. And she goes, no, 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 he's been dead for four days. I don't know if you know this or not, but that four days is very significant. Because in that time period, they would have believed, in that culture, they would have believed that that the spirit would have been with that person for three days, but on the fourth day, like, they were really dead. Like, they, like, he died four days ago, 
but it was like really just yesterday that we, it, it's just like, it's over. Like it's O-V-E-R, game over, it, it start, start, start again. Like it's just not, it's just not going to happen. And I just find that very interesting that all along Jesus knew, again, I'm going to show off, I'm going to show up and I'm going to show off a little bit. And I'm actually like, cause, cause if I, if I, if he was dead for a day, you, you know, again, you might, you might really clap, but like if he's dead for two, but when he's dead for four days, it's like, oh my word, we've never seen anything like that. And it just led me to think that no situation is too tough for Jesus and no person is too messed up for Jesus. That you may come into Palm City today, maybe you're here, maybe you've been here for a little while and you think, I don't know if God can really do a work in my life. I've, I mean, if, if you knew my past and if you knew what it looked, if you knew even what I did this past weekend, if you knew what I did 10 years ago, like if you knew what my marriage used to be like, if you knew what I did when I was in college, if you knew what I did growing up, it, it just God could never do or no. The point of this story is to remind each and every one of us that we can never be too far gone for God to do a great work in our life. The miracle is always at hand when God is at work. It's never out of the question, no situation too tough. No person too messed up. Continue reading. It says, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? There's more red letters there. Like he had it planned all along, but it's like I, I, there's a part that we play in it, church. we got to have a belief. we gotta, we got to believe. And Martha had dealt with unbelief, but we've got to believe that God can do the miracle in our lives and in the lives of the people next to you and in the lives of the people of Wesley Chapel and the people you work with and the people in your neighborhood. Hey, have you given up hope for something I want to encourage you? Maybe I came from the frozen tundra of Des Moines, Iowa, just to fan into flame somebody's faith and belief that God is still the miracle worker. God. He still sits upon the throne. He's still the great physician and he has not closed shop, right? But we got to believe. Jesus said, do you believe? And we continue reading. He says, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus. What'd he shout? Lazarus? Lazarus? And the dead man came out. Now, before we just celebrate this awesome miracle, let's just stop again and think. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. He could have gone in, picked him up, and brought him out. But he just kind of stood there and said, you come out. As if to say, again, we're part of the process. God can do anything. He does not need us in the process, but is inviting us to be part of the process and saying, I'm ready for my church to take a step. I'm ready for my, my brother and my sister just to take a step in faith. Sometimes we're just sitting here waiting for the miracle. God, would you heal me? God, would you save me? God, would you change me? God, would... And he's going, I'll do that, but why don't you just kind of take a step toward me at the same time? Don't need you to do it, but would like to see. Do you have that kind of faith like Peter to get out of the water and start out of the the boat onto the water and start walking toward Jesus, right? We've got to make a move. We've got to take a step. We do the possible and then trust God with the impossible, right? In verse 44, so the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes and his face wrapped in head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Okay, now another interesting thought. That God could have done everything, 
He did his part. He did the supernatural. He healed a dead man. A dead man came back to life, walked out of that grave, but then what did he do? He immediately started looking at the other people, the friends, the family members, the neighbors, and said, hey, guess what? You're going to be part of the miracle. You're going to be part of this man being made fully alive. He says, I want you to grab the grave clothes. I want you to, to and, and just start unwrapping this man. And I want you to think about that as part of a battleship. Remember, we are the USS Palm City right now. We are the battleship. And God is calling each and every one of us to play our part. That there are miracles that only God can do, but he is such an amazing God that he goes, I want, I want this church, this 10-month-old church plant right here in the Sierra Conference Center to be part of changing this city for the glory of God, flipping it upside down. And he says, but it starts by, you've got you to be part of the process. Are you willing to be a battleship? Are you willing to get your hands a little messy and a hands a little dirty? Are you willing to show up to church a little bit early and, 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 and be on the grow team and serve and be on the parking team and, and, and work with the children and be on the cameras and just shout out to the grow team who, who's recognizing that my part is to unwrap people and, yeah. and let them go, oh, God can only do the healing, but we can prepare the environment for him to show up and show off in a great way. Can we just give a hand clap of praise for the grow team in this place? Come on, all the, all the people who are showing up and staying late. And it's amazing. It's amazing. So if God, if God wants to make us fully alive, and I believe he's going to do that for each and every one of you, but then there's another element to being on the battleship, and that is that God wants to use us to help others become fully alive. And this really is the mission that God has given to his church, that, that your whole, the whole purpose of your life is to find Jesus and be made fully alive. But once you experience that, now you turn your attention to those who have not yet experienced that, and the whole purpose of your life is to help as many people as you can experience what you've experienced because of the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You see, we step into salvation. and So if you're here today and you're far from God and maybe you've never been made fully alive, you're not experiencing that true life and living in relationship with Jesus, then today your first step in a few moments is going to be, God, I'll just give you my life. I, I want you to do a great work. I've been asking you to do something like small, but I'm gonna, I, I don't want to just get better. I want to be brand new. I don't want to just be spared from death. I want to be made fully alive. There's so much more than just not dying. No, I want to be made fully. I want to experience that zoe, that vitality that Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest. God, I want to experience that. But once we've experienced that, now it's our turn, church. And I know Palm City is a mission-minded church. Just on, I mean, just ready to reach people who are do, doing things that nobody else is doing to reach people nobody else is reaching. Anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. That's what At The Movies is all about. But once we experience life, now God is expecting us to, to help others experience that same life. We exist for the world. Jesus said, you unwrap him. And I came in today just to remind you, hey, you, you unwrap your city. You unwrap those that show up. You, you unwrap your neighbors. You, you, God wants to use you to be part of the miracle. So the question of the day is, how do I do that? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. You know, I'm, I just, I'm, we got to have a battleship mentality. We've got to have a battleship mentality. So let me just give you a couple, as we close today, just a couple ways to keep this battleship mentality. What, what part can you play 
I hope you're asking that right now. God, God I, want, I want to be a part of this battleship. What part can you play? Remember, every person on a battleship understands their role. We all have the same mission, but within the mission, all of us, based on our skills and our talents and our abilities, we're playing a unique role. And, and, and by the way, that's what Growth Track's all about. You've heard about Growth Track. That's to help you identify what is it. Now that I'm on the battleship, what's my part in the battleship? Let me give you just two ways as we close today. If you want to be part of the battleship, I want to encourage you, number one, to pray and believe for miracles. To pray and believe for miracles. You see, we should always pray. We should always believe. But I want to encourage you to ramp it up during these next couple months. Because you, you, your, your pastor has, has mapped out the last, the, the, the last part of this year, and it's, it's very intentional. Every Sunday is intentional to be able to reach somebody who's far from God, to, to, to bring somebody who just is hurting and broken, maybe been, been hurt by church, disenfranchised by faith, and, and, and maybe they're not even wanting to give it another shot, but you, you think maybe you can get them here just to give it one more shot. I'm believing if they show up to an authentic, life-giving church like this that's full of the power and the Holy Spirit, their life may be changed. So I want to encourage you to pray every day. Do you have names of people? Do you have a list? Do you have a few people written down in your Bible or in your journal or on your mirror of some people that you, right here in this area, in this amazing community, this growing community, do you have some people who you know need to be made fully alive, who need a miracle in their life? And let's believe. Sometimes we got to have the kind of faith to believe for those who don't have a belief for themselves. We got to believe for them. You, oh, God, I, I have people in my life right now that I just wish they believed like I believe. So I, I got to have some faith for them and believe. But we got to have some faith and believe in prayer that people are going to get saved and healed and marriages are going to be restored and people are going to find financial freedom. And there's going to be people who, who are walking around looking like they're alive, but on the inside they're completely dead. And they're going to show up to a Palm City service and they're going to give their lives to Jesus Christ because God never just wanted us to be just to be a, a, an improvement of our ourselves. He wants us to be made fully alive in him. Would you give God praise if you believe that today? I believe that. And so in John 11 verse 26, it says, everyone who lives in me, this is Jesus and believes in me will never die. And then he turns to Martha, do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I've always believed you. You are the Messiah, the son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Do you do you believe? We've got to pray and believe for the miracles. Here's the second, and that is that we need to participate. We need to participate in the miracle. We're not just praying and believing for it, sitting on the sideline, just hoping it happens. No, I've already made the case, according to this text, that God wants us to participate, be part of the miracle, be part of what's going on. This is an amazing church. What God is doing here is just incredible. I want you to participate in the miracle. Think about the God of the universe. Who, who created everything, knows how many hairs are on your head, knows how many grains, uh, grains of sand are on the beach, knows everything, is actually inviting you and me to be part of the miracle. He said, you, unwrap him. Think about that. He doesn't need us, but he, he's like, I love you so much, I want you to be part of the miracle. Going back to verse 44, Jesus said, unwrap him, let him go. When we get involved when we give, when we serve, when we show up, when we're part, when we run the play, when we show up, hey, hey, pastor, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm all in with Palm City. I, I just want to be used by God. 
in such a way that when I get to heaven one day, I'm going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm here. I, I, I don't know what you need, but I'm, I'm, I'm here. When we give, when we serve, we're part of people being made whole and becoming fully alive. Every time you show up and every time you give and every time you make an invite and every time you pray, every time you're part of what's going on, you're part of somebody's grave clothes spiritually coming off and them stepping into new life in Jesus Christ. I love what Acts 17 verse 26 says in the New International Reader's Version. Come on. I don't know if you know about that version. That's called the nerve, right? Your kids' ministry may use the nerve because it's actually written for a th at a third grade level. And how many know sometimes I just need the third grade level uh, text. So get yourself some nerve if you ever get confused in Scripture. <laughs> Your pastor doesn't need that. You know, but, but, uh, so so, so I, it says this, from one man... God made all the people of the world. Now they live all over the earth. So think about it. There's people everywhere. But he decided exactly when they should live. And he decided exactly where they should live. So make no mistake about it. You are here at Palm City Church. You're here in the year 2022 on purpose for a purpose. If you think you just kind of slid into Palm City today, first time, just that I'm not No, it, God, God knew you would be here. God, God knew you were going to be on the kids' team today. God knew you were going to be on the parking team today. God knew you were going to be an usher. God knew you were going to be on the camera. God knew how many children you'd have. God knew what your marriage would be like. God knew what your finances would be like. God's had it all, all ordained. He knew exactly when and where everybody is, and I want you to maximize and leverage this moment. Don't miss it. It's like a window of time. The Bible says make the most of our time being wise, not as, not as the world does being foolish, but making the most of an opportune time. It's like, it's like a window that would open and close. And I want you to know right now, I can just tell you I, from the moment I walked in, this is a window that's open. But we, don't, we never know how long the window will be open. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next month. Hey, be part of what's going on right now. You've got growth track. You've got at the movies. You've got a Thanksgiving serve that's coming up. You've got acts of kindness cards. You've got a legacy offering that your pastor will talk more about as it gets closer to the end of the year. There's all different things you're going to be able to be part of to advance the kingdom, to help people who you know or maybe you don't know be made fully alive. And we can pray and believe, but we can also participate in the miracle. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So you, you, you back that out and you realize, oh, well, then people aren't going to get saved unless we tell them. <laughs> we got to tell them. We got to show up. We got to invite. We got to pray. We got to share our faith. We got we to be part of the miracle. We're praying. We're believing. We're participating. But I would, I would do you a disservice if I just wasn't honest with you, though, today about a reality of being on the battleship. Because, see, the battleship, although there's a lot of victories and there's a lot of wins and we're celebrating life change and it feels like we're taking the hill and we're advancing the gospel for the kingdom of God, there's a lot of great things happening and lives are being changed. The reality is it's not always easy. If you want ease, call up Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, 
But if you want to see God move in this generation like never before, hop upon. Find your spot on the battleship. But just know what you're signing up for is rewarding. But it is difficult. In fact, in John eleven thirty five, 35, right in the middle of the story, we get the shortest verse in the entire Bible. You know what it is? Jesus wept. In fact, if you're new in your faith and you want to just impress somebody today, be like, yeah, I've been memorizing some scripture. You want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, what do you got? Jesus wept. It's a great place to start. Oh, I could have probably taught the whole message on that. There's so much truth and power in those two simple words that I've learned over the years. But in light of this message and the context of what we're talking about today, let me just remind all of us that being on the battleship isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. So like I want you to think about the Savior of the world in the middle of this story was moved to tears. His heart broke because his friend had died. He was on mission. Sometimes on mission we get our heart broken. Sometimes on mission we, we sacrifice things that we weren't planning on sacrificing. But that's what makes it a battleship. That's why we thank those who serve in the military. Why? Because they've sacrificed. What is sacrifice? Sacrifice is giving up something we love for something we love even more. So Jesus was, he cried, he wept. But he's modeling for us that I'll, I'll sacrifice even the hurt and the pain to see somebody's life change. He went through something, he modeled for, hey, it's okay. It's not all blue skies and butterflies, right? There's, there's heartache, there's pain, there's loss, there's death, there's sickness. It's not always easy to be battleship-minded. But 100% of the time, it is always worth it. Worth it. It's going to cost us something. Every person on a battleship, every person that's ever served on the USS Missouri that that's now stationed in Honolulu that you could go and see. It's been decommissioned. You can walk on it. Every person that's ever served, they gave something. And every person that's part of Palm City, you're going to give something. You're going to give up something you love. It might be a Sunday morning. It might be resources. It might be time. It might be energy. But you're doing it because you love, hopefully, something even more. And that is the love of Jesus Christ. And the love of Jesus Christ overflows into a love for people. And that love for people leads us to, to be Christ followers who stay on mission and want to take the grave clothes off of people who are bound up in addiction. And they're fighting something that they cannot win on their own. But we know that the hope of Jesus Christ is greater than any situation on the earth. Can we clap our hands if we believe that today? Sacrifice, commitment, calling. That's what describes a battleship. Convenience is a cruise ship. So as much as I was excited to talk about my thoughts on the cruise ship and the battleship, I think Jesus beat me to it because in Luke chapter 9, he said to all, anyone who wants to follow me must put aside his own desires and his conveniences. Step off the cruise ship. I think Jesus, that's kind of, if there was a modern translation, I think it'd be like Jesus said, hey, you got to get off the carnival cruise ship and hop onto the battleship. 
You must put aside your own desires, your conveniences, what's easy, and carry your cross. It's hard, but worth it every day and keep close to me. Listen, God has not called us to convenience, but to commitment. Being committed to the mission, to the battle, the assignment that God has given each and every single one of us. My question to close today is what do you want to be part of? There's plenty of options around here. There's plenty of cruise ships you can go check out, literally, and maybe even figuratively. But God is calling each and every one of us to step onto the battleship, live a life of calling, servanthood, commitment, sacrifice. Why? Because there are people who are laying in a tomb right now that unfortunately is not empty, but one day that tomb will be empty, figuratively speaking, and they're going to come out and God's going to use you to be part of the miracle, to see lives change right here in this church, in this city, in our great nation, and literally all around the world. And if you believe that church and you receive that, would you say a good amen, amen, and bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you've called us to great things, great things. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you that this church showed up on the last weekend of January 2022 to be a battleship in this city. I pray that every person sitting here today would make the decision to step into a life of commitment, giving up life of convenience only, and say, God, you've called me. Here I am, send me. I'm a willing servant. But there are some of you today, as I was sharing these thoughts out of God's word, and you would say, Jonathan, I, I feel like I'm the Lazarus in the story. I feel like I'm the one who just, I'm, I feel spiritually dead. I feel like there's a chasm way too wide way too great between God and me. He just feels far. And the reality is sometimes in life that happens. Turn around, we've left God out of the equation and it feels like he's left us, but the reality is he's right where we left him. And so now with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you that invitation to just say yes to Jesus, come back home. And allow him to do the miracle, the spiritual miracle in your heart this morning. Where you no longer have to walk around spiritually dead. But you can be walking around spiritually alive. Experiencing true life like never before. Peace, joy, strength and energy, comfort, power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us when we are, give our lives to Jesus. That enables us to do more than we could do on our own. He forgives us of all of our sins. We have the hope of eternal life. All of that by just saying yes to Jesus. So maybe today you've said yes to Jesus a long time ago, but some things have gotten in the way. You're ready to, to come back home. Or perhaps today you've never been made fully alive spiritually, and you're ready to experience that. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front, but if you're here today, would you be so bold just before God and me, so I know who I'm praying for. You ready to come back to Jesus and say yes, be made fully alive. Would you slip your hand up high right now all across the auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. You can slip your hands down. That's awesome. Thank you for your boldness. Now I'm going to lead you in this simple prayer. It's a coming back home prayer. It's a surrender prayer. 
I'll help you with the words, but right where you're at, just whisper it in your heart. Say it quietly there. Just say something like this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Everything. Thank you for dying on the cross, paying the penalty for my sin. Today I'm fully surrendering to you. I want to be made fully alive. Say these words, I believe that you died and rose again. And today I'm asking you to be the leader of my life. And from this day forward, to the best that I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God praise, church. Come on, let's celebrate changed lives. What a word. Thank you, Jesus.